Why do you say that, Father? You aren't afraid, are you? No. But I respect some of the superstitions of others. Often, they are founded in fact. Broadcasting live from our Sanctum Sanctorum in Venice, California. This is the Sixth Sense Society. I'm your host, Krista, here with our producer, Michael. And today we are very excited to welcome Jackie Smith to the show. She's the founder of Coventry Creations and co-owner of Candlewick Shop in Ferndale, Michigan. She's also a teacher and author of the best-selling book, Coventry Magic. But today we're going to be specifically talking about at least some of the show, The Archetype of the Witch, and wherever the conversation goes around witchcraft and magic. Before we get started, though, Michael has a few announcements. Hi, everybody, um, and thank you for tuning in again. Uh, we have some great shows coming up. We have, first of all, we're just so much looking forward to Jackie today. It's going to be amazing. Um, next week, we have our good friend Reverend Jim McGrath back, and he'll be doing a show on the miracles of Christ and where the actual miracles and breaking all that down. So should be fascinating, as always, with Jim. We love when he visits. And then we're going to end the month with uh, Lama Kathy Wesley coming back to give us some of her Buddhism wisdom. And, and I think we can probably all use a little of that right now with everything that's going on in the world. So tune in for that. Um, get all the information at our website, sixcentsociety.com, S-I-X-T-H, all spelled out. Um, and you can find out about shows and information on guests and all that kind of stuff. Um, while you're there, buy us a coffee on Ko-Fi. And thank you to all of those who have. It's really nice. It helps us to cover some of the cost of producing the show. And, and that makes us feel good. And as I always say, being a Canadian, I always love it when people buy me a coffee. So, so please do. Um, and while you're there also, sign up for our, our mailing list. We have a newsletter that we're going to be putting out in a, a couple months. And we're going to have some links to some of our favorite episodes. Uh, some great content that we find around the web, you know, maybe a lecture from Titnit Han or something, things of that nature. So some really cool stuff that's going to be really fun to, to connect with. And so, so take a minute and sign up to our list. Um, don't want to take any more time. So with that, I'm going to kick it back to Krista and take it away, Krista. Great. Thanks, Michael. So welcome, Jackie. We are so excited to have you. Thank you. I'm so excited to be part of the show and, and meet new friends. I love it. Great. Yeah, we have this uh, connection to Michigan now. And I, I don't know what it is, but we've had several really, there's a couple other people we have on regularly as guests. So it just happened organically. I love it. Michigan, We this is a very magical place. I'm just going to tell you. We got some good stuff here. I, it looks like, it seems like that. Every I, I think it's really cool and it surprised me that way. So I'm, I'm very happy to have you. So um, let's get started with a little bit about how you first got interested in magic and witchcraft. What was your journey towards it? Oh, um, actually, honestly, my journey towards this started in the Catholic Church. I was, um, I love the connection to spirit. I love that, that blissful feeling that you get when you're really connected to the divine and divine energy. And when I was a little girl, I thought to myself, you know, you make that list, I want to be a teacher, or I want to be a nurse, or I want to be a nun. <laughs> so the, the spiritual path was always on, on that list for me. So as I grew and, and matured and realized that Catholicism was not doing it for me as a woman, uh, as, a, as somebody who really connects to the divine in a way that I want to affect change and I want to heal. There's not a lot of room in, in that for tradition, in traditional um, Christianity or Catholicism. So I started exploring some, ran across some like metaphysical things. And that was a little too airy-fairy for me. And, and I shouldn't say airy-fairy, but the metaphysical things are like, I couldn't grab onto it. So then I started getting into magic. I think runes were one of my first things that I stumbled upon at... Um, Oh, Walden books. Do you remember Walden books? Oh, yes. Back in the day? <laughs> that was it. That's what we had. We had Walden books. And what was the other one? Um, oh, I, I can't think now. of it right now. 
but so if they their magical department or anything spiritual whatever was like this wide maybe and one day there was the the that first book of runes that's the one um, by bloom so, or yeah 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 and that blue that blue box yes and the blue bag mm-hmm. um it's that was a gateway for many a many witch so I got that and then I said well there has to be more there's this there has to be more and then I went on a search and so this was over 30 years ago. So there was not a lot. There was random little weirdo stores that maybe had a little pocket or there was an herbal store that I learned different things from. They had some really cool herb books until I just started really getting into some of the early days of, of magic and witchcraft and, and, and Wicca. Everyone was talking about Wicca at that time. So I thought that was it. This is it. This is my, this is my jam here. Uh, a lot of Scott Cunningham, a lot of Paul Barrel. Um, that's what I had access to, and um, and then that just it was like, oh, I'm I'm home. And then and then I found Starhawk, so the spiral dance, and I'm like, oh, this is this is it, this is my jam. And um, and over the years, it's just evolved into um, my own personal practice, which is that the Coventry magic, what that's about, but. Um, I have always loved the term. Once I found Wicca and understood the difference of these different things and the archetype of the witch is not necessarily um, what what people had talked about. Man, I claimed myself as a witch from day one. Yeah, and, 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 and that's um, the word witch is still very, I guess, um, provocative is a good word for it, even amongst uh, people practicing magic. And mm-hmm it has a lot of different connotations. So in your mind, when you think about the witch and and you can talk about how you used to think about it and what you think about now, what is the archetype of the witch for you? Now versus then. um, So then I thought it was like, you had to have some some big calling. It was, um, a witch was like, I'm a midwife witch or I'm an herbal witch or... Um, so it was part of like, a, almost like a clergy position. Um, and now, um, my, my definition of which is, is a lot simpler. If you, it's a, it's a title that you give yourself like friend or, um, or I'm going to be, I'm going to be a listener or a leader. Um, I'm going to be a witch and it means that I'm going to affect change in my life. I'm going to use the resources around me um, to affect an energetic shift to head in a direction that gets me to my goal. And so there's a lot of witchy people out there that, that never call themselves a witch, but they do affect change. So I love making it fun and playful. I, I started um, a couple of years ago, I started doing some marketing for my witch's brew line of candles. And so I created the witch's union just for fun you know, the local number 13, don't start none, won't be none, you know. Um, and so I made a whole logo around it for this marketing and, and I made little witches union cards and I started handing them out and it was a, a big success. Everyone I handed a witch card to, here's your witches union card. Everyone I handed one to, they're like, oh, I'm a witch. I go, absolutely. And it's really funny on the, on the back of the card is that this card entitles you to, um, watch Harry Potter movies without a, a child present to know, to know all the lyrics to every Stevie Nicks song. Um, I love that one. Street, street credit, street cred with other witches. Cause they're going to want one too. And, um, and to be in charge of your own life because you're the decider, you get to take the authority over your own life. So really that's, that's how I view witch now is, is this is just a fun, um, uh, loving thing and empowered, an empowered thing to be. And, you know, I think that's wonderful. I saw that, which is union I was going to ask you about. So I'm glad you brought it up because it looks really cool. I'll have to get my card. <laughs> <laughs> I'll make sure I'll send you one. <laughs> so now, and, and there can be kind of an overlap between um, magician and witch. And, and it's, there's also what I've noticed because I, I've, I've sort of danced in a lot of worlds. It's one of my I think, um, talents is that I like to go into different worlds and try and bridge them a little bit. And I kind of discovered this early on in life. 
And so I largely, I started off with the witchcraft world, but I've been around a lot of ceremonial magicians and I have read a lot mm-hmm. and I like Aleister Crowley's deck. And, and so it seems like it, there's a little bit of um, fear from some of the magical side, or there's also sometimes a little bit of snobbery towards the witch. And there does seem to be something different about them. But what would you say is the difference if I want to call myself an, a magician versus a witch? Well, so to me, uh, in very simple terms, as a magician is a scientist. You're using a specific formula that's been tried and true, and then you're going to to try different variations on that formula. I mean, really, when is the lesser banishing, banishing ritual of the pentagram ever been changed. I, it was coming out of my mouth real hard there. Sorry about that. <laughs> it's all right. Um, but a witch, um, she's, or he, that the witch is the one who's going to look around and going, I've got a spoon. I've got some sage. I've got dirt and a rock. What am I going to make out? Of, and I need, I need a prosperity spell. What am I going to do? So, so that, that uh, I, I was at um, a conference and they had a panel on high magic and a panel on low magic. And so I was invited to be on the panel on low magic. And I go, the first thing I said is I'm, I'm a little put out. Mm-hmm. I'm a little put out that this is considered low magic. I want a better definition on this, but it's basically folk magic. Right. And so um, you're going to, so um, a magician says, has a ton of ritual that says, I'm going to put all these things together to create this real specific shift in a grand gesture. Whereas a witch is going to say, I'm going to tweak energy here. I'm going to tweak energy here. I'm going to tweak energy here. And then, um, and they kind of, a lot of witches work on the fly in a way that, um, so the moon is waning and you need to bring something into your life. They're going to remove obstacles. So they're just going to figure out, because the that witchy energy is more of, I have a need and it needs to be fixed now. A magician says, okay, I know I got to pay my rent, but in two months, the planetary alignment is going to be perfect for this prosperity spell. <laughs> <laughs> or they're going to say, I'm going to create a ton of tools for prosperity that I can unleash in the moment that I need it. Um, but that That's the difference in my, my thought process. I love the idea of the magician being a scientist. That is really a good way of looking at it because it really, they do do a lot of literally of formulas and Mm -hmm. repeating the same, maybe tweaking it and maybe someone thinks their formula is slightly better than another. One of the things I personally think that's different is, at least in my mind, I was drawn to witchcraft over the magician because of its connection to nature. Mm-hmm. And I'm such a nature lover. I mean, I, I just have always been a lover of nature and had almost gone into become a marine, marine biologist and still feel this, this connection. And um, my understanding when I first got involved, and I still believe this, I think, is that witches are trying to bend and shape with nature. They're not trying to control it. Yeah. And the magician's yeah. job is to learn to control forces. Yeah. And I'm not sure well, which is better or not, but <laughs> maybe it's the difference between like the scientist and the chef where the chef learns and tastes and, and, and falls in love with all of their ingredients. And, and when they are doing something, when they're making the, the perfect um, stew, shall we say, they can taste the stew and say, Oh, I need more basil. I need more rosemary. I need more butter. Or the magic ingredient for most chefs, cumin. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> I like that too. That, that's, that's, that's really true too. And, and you know, yeah. you can take the recipe for chili and have many variations on it, you know. So maybe right. there's a flexibility, it seems. Uh, of course, you know, like all movements, you, you, one of my issues that I think I talked to you before about is I was drawn to witchcraft because there was also decentralization of power by the concept mm. of the coven. And I remember thinking, oh, that's brilliant because after a certain amount of people, there's always problems in groups. And so you have a spinoff group after you get to 13, you know, you have the spinoff. And mm-hmm. I love that idea of decentralizing power and authority uh, though that doesn't seem to be totally true in witchcraft. <laughs> <laughs> uh, 
Um, I think one of the, so with, with each strength, you will find your weakness. And one of the weaknesses I think in, in witchcraft is that, um, there is an instantaneous expert ability that can, I'm, I'm successful in these four things. So I am now an expert. Um, over the years, there's many different folks I've talked to saying, well, I just started my own coven and I'm high priestess. And I'm like, oh, that's great. I mean, what have you, what, what's your path? What have you studied? She goes, well, I, I started. So last month I bought this book. <laughs> like, awesome. Uh, so there's, there's an instant expert status that can be stepped into. And that comes from having that decentralization of, of power. Um, and so that also means that you can have hundreds of different traditions um, that, uh, so you just change the rules to, to suit yourself. Mm -hmm. But then that assumes, so here's the thing for me, a witch is not akin to a religion or a group or a path. So Wicca has the different, or, or witchcraft as a religion. So to me, there's a difference between witchcraft or Wicca um, and being a witch who is, who is using her craft. So there's really not any um, structure. It is uh, a tool. Right. Magic is a tool rather than as a religion. Um, my, um, you know, I followed, I went through Wicca and I went through the more of a gardenerian tradition in the beginning. And, and I went through two levels of initiation and then I said, I'm out. I'm not. I'm not down with this because the group that I was with at the time had very unhealthy practices and a, and a complete lack of boundaries, mm. which can easily happen um, in an unchecked hived off situation. There still has to be a central, a central energy of, of um, leadership. Mm -hmm. And if there isn't a powerful and healthy leadership, doesn't matter how you hive off. If your central isn't leader is, in a, is not good leadership, it will it will either devolve into some really unhealthy practices or it'll fall apart. Sure. Yeah. I, I think in um, going back to that point of, of the weakness of a decentralized power, my view is that without knowing it, some of Wiccan has basically structured itself around Judeo-Christian values. And it's very hard not to, because we live in a Judeo-Christian world, largely in the Western world. Yeah. And you have to really work against it con consciously and say, wait a minute, isn't that isn't this whole hierarchy thing and expert thing really connected to what I'm trying to get away from? And not, right. I, I do think, I believe in leadership. I, I do believe in people that can teach and have leadership, but they've earned it. They, they, they earned it through their hard work and we respect them because of the things they put out. And they don't mm -hmm. have to even say they're an expert, <laughs> you know, by what yeah. they share. And I totally believe in leadership and, and things like that. But I, there's a lot of, like you said, you know, I read a book, I'm now a high priestess or high priest, and and um, I'm sure some of it's well-intentioned, but some of it isn't well-intentioned. And right. uh, it's, it's I like, you know, going back to the idea of the archetype of the witch, it, it's, uh, it is different from the path of the religion. Yeah, um, if I think about the, some of the archetypical feminine energies of the witch, um, so she's typically seen as, as an old woman surrounded by other old women. Um, so, oh, this past year, I was informed that I am now an elder in my community. And I said, shut your lying mouth. I'm, <laughs> I'm too young to be an elder. Oh, shit. No, I'm not. But I don't want to be an elder, not because of age, but because of, of responsibility. Mm -hmm. But um, so going back to that archetypical art, art, witch, um, and these groups of women, I have different groups of women in my life that in many ways serve as a coven. They problem solve with me. Um, they're, I'm there to dry their tears. I'm there to celebrate their, their successes. Um, I'm there to, for the, the last minute road trip to go and, and rescue somebody or an animal. Um, that to me is that that coven energy, but but we're not they're not necessarily witches. Mm -hmm. So I think that camaraderie of and you're right, after a certain point, and it wasn't 13, it was really six or seven, 
um, after that point, it just became too big. And it naturally fa uh, fractures because um, there's only so many people that you can really dedicate energy to. Sure. Um, uh, my daughter was devastated when she was in high school saying, I really only have two friends. And I said, to be honest with you, babe, I've really only had two friends at a time. And any I don't have time for anything else. Right. It's hard to split your attention into all these different directions. So, um, so that's, I, I just, I totally went off the, uh, off the rails on that one. So the, the, um, the whole art archetypical witch and, and a small group of people and, and the decentralized, um, uh, power structure, I think is kind of a natural way that we do. And we support each other and we protect each other. Um, because even in a larger structure, you're going to have your smaller cliques and your smaller groups. That is your comfort zone. Sure. So, so some of the other, when I, I I'm amazed I, I got involved in witchcraft because I used to have a nightmare about someone that was like a hag, I would say in my youth. I had, um, I've had, um, I'm a big dreamer. I've had a lot of nightmares through my years and different variations. And there was this kind of hag figure in my, when I was really little that used to terrify me. Uh, but I, I, um, the way I came across witchcraft was through history. I, I don't even know why I did this, but I was taking a course on religion at Duke and we got to pick a project and I somehow, and we had a partner and my partner was this redheaded Irish girl, <laughs> forget her name. And we decided to do a project on the European witch hunts. And to this day, I don't even remember where I got the idea or she got the idea. And it was a really powerful project because it opened my mind up to the whole history of, of just the, the witch hunts. And, but even then, I didn't really get so much involved in it. And um, it's, uh, I, I personally think the archetype is still unfolding. And I, I think mm. it has, a, you know, that archetype that's connected to power and women and mm -hmm. men embracing the witch would also have a different connection to power not not mm -hmm. the male power but the feminine power because there's certainly male witches and very wonderful male witches so i mm -hmm. think that's still unfolding um and it's still in some countries very dangerous to be to be a witch and, and in some countries it has a completely different connotation so if you look at in in africa um and there's still the witch hunts in africa um and it's very scary to look at um yet um that they're using that term as people who are doing evil against each other and so in, in talking to somebody who's from africa and actually talking to somebody who is from brazil um and the negative connotation of of the witch the brujera versus the currandissimo which i'm butchering those t terms i'm so sorry i apologize to every spanish-speaking person right now um so um, talking to my nephew who's from Brazil and, and like that term witch, I mean, that's somebody who's doing evil or trying to do um, pull power from you. That's, that's when I asked him, what does doing evil mean? It's like they're pulling power from people um, to their own end and um, with no regard for what happens to that person. And so it's just really interesting how that is still a different term. So yes, there's healers and, and people who are doing healing or supportive work, but then there's also the ones that are not, and that's still considered witch. I want to go into the dreaming about a hag. I dreamt about a hag quite a bit when I was a little girl. Oh, I'm not alone. But she, was, <laughs> she was Lady Elaine from Mr. Rogers, Land of Make-Believe. Oh my goodness. And Lady Elaine, watching that now as an adult, when my daughter was little and I was watching that, I'm like, oh, I didn't realize Lady Elaine was the witch. She was considered a witch. And they oh. called her the witch. Isn't that interesting? Yeah. That, you know, my mother said I also, as a girl, um, we lived somewhere when I was young where there was a witch on the, uh, on the street. And she said we would go there for Halloween. I do not remember that. Thank God for parents and their memories, you know, when you're little. And I was like, yeah. really? And I so... But, but I, I would actually argue that the witch archetype includes the dark side of hurting and harming. And at least from my point of view, it doesn't mean that it's kind of like magic. A magician can do good or ill with magic. 
And mm-hmm. it's part of the archetype because, and especially um, the today's modern young, younger witches, uh, they're very open about if you harm me, I'm going to do something about it. I've seen it on, you know, mostly on Instagram and really mm-hmm. that in your face, you know, don't mess with me uh, and being mm-hmm. very comfortable with it. It's not, you yeah. know, it's part of who I am and I'm going to protect my own. And, uh, I'm, and I'm that so seems different from up- the Wiccan. Yeah, I'm so glad you brought up um, the young witches, the witches, the younger witches of today. I love them. I love how um, how many filters and restrictions, emotional and mental restrictions, that they do not have. Um, I watch my daughter, um, who I did not bring her up in any formal religious structure. I brought, her, but I brought her up with a deep spirituality of cause and effect. And, and who do you want to be in, in, in this world? And so she, I watch her out in the world and she is really understands that the energy and the results of, of, um, of manipulating energy and what energy do you give off in any moment? And I'm super, super proud of her. And, and these other young witches who, who are coming out going, I'm going to own my power. And it's our generation. We had to earn mentally and emotionally, spiritually. We felt we had to earn the right to own our own power. And we didn't want um, the next generation to have to go through what we went through mm-hmm. on, on this mental process of, do I deserve my own power? And now we have this generation of young witches. They're going, I'm inherently powerful and mm-hmm. I'm going to do my due. And I love them. I'm. It's I love true. They're, they are them. more comfortable um, initially with it, and um, it doesn't matter sort of their race or their age. I mean, I, I would include young, even people under forty or younger, and they don't have the same um, struggle that that certainly we had. And uh, some of it, I do think, has to do with people, however, like Budapest and Lori Cabdu fought the legal battles. Yeah. And the legal battles really, really are so important. And, and I've seen younger women that know that. And they'll say, you know, mm-hmm. we owe this, you know, we can do fortune telling in California because of Z Budapest. She fought it. And mm-hmm. uh, it opened up some of the that that part that I think is essential for any group that's a, is, is feeling oppressed or as a minority is the legal battles are hugely important. Oh, uh, I love... Um... I love having that conversation with folks. Um, there's some really sensitive, really, really sensitive subjects coming out right now. Um, a lot of it's based on appropriations. A lot of it's based on equality. We're, we're in um, the anti-racist movement now. Um, and so to have these conversations with my daughter and, and my niece, who is, who is more gen- millennial and my daughter is Generation Z, um, about, hang on, you got to understand what our resources were. Mm-hmm. For instance, um, not a popular opinion of late, but when 30 plus years ago, when I was yearning for legitimate spiritual practice, not something that that's continuing, that's living and alive, that I get to be a part of, that I get to experience. And one of the first living spiritual practices was the exercise of smudging and 30 was it i hate to say this but 35 years ago i learned about that Mm -hmm. and it was one of the first things that was just this great living practice so i absolutely glommed onto it this is a this is a practice for me and i learned from it and i developed my own um what what felt really energetic to me and my own practice within it so then of late of the past few years saying we should stop calling it smudging and just call it um, um, cleansing with smoke or, mm-hmm. or different terms. I forgot the word right now. And, and I said, so understand for someone like me, who's been using the term smudge and using the, the techniques of smudging and, and honoring where it came from to the best of our ability, this was, this was us honoring what was being done 30, you know, 35 years ago, when I learned about this, Mm -hmm. we were honoring this process, very excited to be part of a a tradition or something. 
and then learning how to bring it into our own tradition. So this was nobody, no one, my parents, my siblings, no one in my community ever gave a thought to a First Nations person. Mm-hmm. They never gave a thought um, to to the fact that there's a white guy in paint on the in the movie um, being being an Indian. So that was not a thing. So what we did is we said, hey, that's not cool. Let's let's give some more respect to these people. So it's been these baby steps, like Z Budapest, doing all that legal work and changing um, changing the the fortune telling laws, and then. Um, um, people of my generation and it, our generation saying, no, it's not okay to just put people in paint and call them um, Asian or, or Chinese or whatever. Let's make sure that in media we're we are um, not being hypocrites here. So baby steps, right? And magic was the same thing as I was so excited to learn about these different things in magic mm-hmm. and different traditions and magic and, and experiment and bring them into my, my own uh, toolbox. Um, so then it, it becomes harder for, for us of our generation to go, oh, I can see why you, you feel that way and how you feel that, that is, that is um, appropriating. Well, I, I think that one of my issues about people in general is I don't know that pe- people use their words consciously enough to begin with. And as a, as a reader, as a tarot card reader for over 20 years, I, I've learned to not to, you know, kind of, you know, judge my words, but I watch my words and I try to pick ones that I'm really trying to emphasize in the reading. Like that, it seems like every reading has its own specific words. And uh, one of um, the things I wish we could all have are schools of communication, because I do think uh, because of the instantaneousness of communication that there are things mm-hmm. that are just really innocent, and um, but they're so quick, uh, mm-hmm. and that people, yes, there are certain conversations that you can see really are really not good. And then there's a slip somebody will make on a Facebook page or Instagram, and then someone jumps all over them. And I don't think we, we, it's, it's a good way to spend our energy. I don't, I don't mind it so much as, you know, that is this efficient? Is this, you know, and also living with a Canadian, um, he, he, <laughs> my husband uses words differently. And I, I, I don't know that we have an awareness about words to begin with, let alone the loaded words, <laughs> you know? Um, yeah, this is, and, and right now, I, I agree with you, the communication and, and what words mean. I have um, a diverse staff here at Coventry, and they've grown up in different generations, different parts of town, different cultures, ethnicities. And so when I say, um, I'll say, a perfect example is my sister would say, well, this is a bump in the road. We got to get through. And I finally, I looked at her and I go, this isn't a bump in the road. It's a goddamn Canyon. Um, <laughs> what does a bump in the road mean to you? She goes, well, a bump in the road means very similar to what I was saying, but she kept saying this bump in the road. And I'm like, no. Um, so we, when we get down to what things mean, so I can, we try to be very mindful. If I just say, put on your big girl panties, let's move on. To this person, that means something they very different, mm-hmm. and so um, we, we're learning that. And I'm finding right now, communication is evolving. Oh, look at us right now. Mm-hmm. We're having to communicate re- um, much more deliberately. I was talking to my staff saying we um, because our customer service manager cannot work in the building. She has kids at home and um, we are adjusting um, and I'm just getting different phone systems and the whole thing so we can work remotely if needed. Mm-hmm. And I said, so what we're missing is we're missing that informal, casual conversation moment that informs so much. So and I'm watching this in the society and I'm watching this in um, in, in classes, et cetera. So we don't, we can't go into the store and say, I need a spell for blah, blah, blah. Or, and this is, which candle do I need for this? Or what, what crystal is good for this? We don't have that casual conversation. It's actually an effort. 
I need to get online and find the person to talk to. And I need to type something to them for the love of God. <laughs> and, uh, and then they need to type something back. I get a lot of questions and emails right now. And I look at this email and I'm like, short answer or long answer. I'm typing. It's going to be the short answer. So now that, so I have to be much more deliberate. I just, I'm finding communication is evolving in a big way. Well, I think that's a that's a good thing, and it's a definitely a necessary thing because it's something I've observed over many many years. It's not a new thing, and it's just something that I I wish we had ways to learn and relearn how to communicate um, better with one another. And one of the the things that's missing, and that's it's a lot of the platforms are not really equipped for it, is listening. There's not enough mm. forums for listening if you think about it, you know, and it's a skill you really have to keep working at. But getting back to the archetype of the witch, um, now the archetype of the witch is often depicted in different ways. We kind of mentioned it earlier. There's, you know, the older uh, green-faced witch, and then there's also really, I think one of the archetypes is the young and sexy witch. It's a very, very popular one on magazine covers and, and, uh, so do you have any opinions about how you um, see the witches depicted through art and culture and movies? Do you like some more than the other? I, in my head, I'm the really sexy, cute witch on the broom flying with the moon behind me. I feel that that's actually me, <laughs> even though I might not look like it in my head, that's me. But um, um, how, so I think... <laughs> I think the series Charmed changed the game for the archetypical witch, how witches are seen. And um, I, I love them for that. As cheeseball as that, as that series was, I loved that they did that for witches that we could be somewhat normal. Also superpowers. I think I have superpowers too. Um, I love so that series. I actually rewatched it. And it, yeah, it is sometimes a little... Um, campy, but I, I, I loved it. it. It's just one of those things that worked. <laughs> it, it totally did. It totally did. There's always hope. There's always struggle. And um, so I will forever love that. Uh, and I'll forever love Buffy um, uh, and, and uh, Willow being the witch that, that she is. Mm -hmm. And so witches in media, um, I feel in, in, uh, in this, in this century, have gotten the right kind of teeth. So before witches were, um, there's always something like nefarious to them. There's always mm. you know, something like, even Bell Book and Candle, she was, she still had a nefarious type of, uh, she wanted a man and she was going to manipulate this man. Um, and, or they're like bed knobs and broomsticks where they're a little, uh, or, um, uh, Mary Poppins there. So there's a little bit of the, um, uh, like the sweet and, and really get not enough teeth, mm -hmm. but now it's like, um, which is activist, which as someone who is writing the wrongs mm -hmm. is, I think is a newer, a newer concept. And now we're, we're kind of the pendulum swinging and, and which is as a badass and not always doing good. Right. Um, so we get to have a, a plethora of them. Um, the new Sabrina series has been very interesting. Um, and I, I'm finding it fascinating that they're swaying her to, the, they swayed her to the dark side a bit more. Mm -hmm. um, and that the, the magicians, um, that's a little more. Yeah, I watched the, the first series of season of that, I think. My only um, issue, I, I rewatched Charm and I liked Bewitched, but there seems to be this reoccurring theme of, of women that are witches that don't want to be witches anymore, that that, it's a burden. Mm -hmm. And, and I said, why do they have to do that? <laughs> you yes, know, that's, that's my that's only, like it's, it's like, yeah. like, it's still a little bit like, it's cooler to be a witch. But on the other hand, you know, you have to suffer in this way, if you are a witch. And I, I I'm a little, I just want at least some balance in that. <laughs> yes, I loved how in Charmed, um, the fourth sister, Rose, Rose? Yes, Rose. No, Rose. She wanted to be a witch. She's mm -hmm. excited about this. So, so there was that evolution. And I, I like in Sabrina, she's enjoying the new series. She's enjoying being a witch. You're right. I don't like the denial. That's why Endora in Bewitched mm -hmm. was always my favorite. Yeah, you're right. 
Yeah, she to- um, totally did, embraced like, it. What was her, um, Samantha's sister's name Oh, I from forgot. Bewitched? Was it Sabrina? No. I don't know. I can't Serena? remember. Serena? I loved her, too, because I'm like, and it really bothered me that 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 Samantha always tamped her power down for a yes. man, but then that was the sixties, right? And that right. was her job. Right. Um, but um, I and then there's um, there's a few new series coming out that that sound promising and interesting that I haven't that I have not watched. Um, but yeah, it, there's but here's the thing about about media, is they're gonna go with what sells, and yes. they're gonna they're just gonna do what they're gonna do and make it campy or shocking or um, get people involved in, in whatever to, to be how they want to be. It's interesting, the term black magic, um, that is something that really came from Hollywood, more from Hollywood mm-hmm. than it did from anything else. And prior to that, the term black magic was a very racist term. Oh really? Um, it was it was a battle. It's a little more, and I don't have solid um, research on this, but just some research on it is that it was really the black magician, so to speak, or the black conjure people um, that. So that's like, well, they must be doing bad. So it was really very much black magic is very much a term to to describe um, people of color who are who are doing witchery or magic or, or conjure or anything like that. So, um, to, to bring them down, to belittle them. And it, it's a very racist term. It's not really about good and bad. Mm, That's interesting. It makes sense. Actually. I, I hadn't really thought about it, but I, I have noticed the the color black, even in animals has been demonized. So black cats, black birds, you know, Absolutely. there was a period where they were killing all the black cats, which, of course, bled the, uh, it spread the plague as a result. And mm-hmm. so the color itself is is also interesting to look at. And even the way New Agers describe light and dark. And I, I mm-hmm. really don't like this idea, like, I'm a light worker. Uh, no, <laughs> I'm hopefully going to be an integrated worker. <laughs> I, I, The darkness has so many good, beautiful qualities in it. Darkness mm-hmm. is not bad. You know? I, re- I like to remind the light workers that we don't actually grow in the light. We grow in the dark. Plants grow at night when um, they absorb what they need to absorb in the light. But until we get back into the shadows, until we get back into the dark, we cannot integrate it. Yeah, it's, it seems like this whole complex thing around darkness that's also Mm -hmm. uh, it it seems to me part of racism myself like magically and yeah um it's uh it needs to change and it's changing in physics because of dark matter and they're seeing Mm -hmm. that all this dark energy is really important for creation you know they're that is is a fascinating way to look at we need both and neither is it's more like uh, i guess the Taoists have it kind of right the yin and the yang uh, mm-hmm. But it, un- unfortunately, I still don't think in the language of a certainly certain people spiritually, it's really understood that just constant, you know, and, and also the idea that the shadow, like what's buried in the shadow, it isn't always bad things that are buried. There is something called the golden shadow where you repress your talents. Let's say you grow up in a family that doesn't want you to dance and it's a religious family doesn't believe in dancing or something and you repress mm-hmm. it and evidently that it, it's a specific term i forget who what Jungian person i read and it's it's a little harder to tap into and to find is your golden shadow and the idea that shadow work is always about getting icky things out i said that's not true no it, not at all no we hide in the shadows we hide some of our best things in the shadows so they're not judged or taken away from us or belittled. And it's interesting when I started making the blessed herbal candles a million years ago and um, the protection candle, and I met, I meditated on each one. Um, when I make a product, I, I meditate on it. I make friends with it and I see what, what wants to be born within it. And the protection candle wanted to be black. So Everything I read said protection was white, protection's white, protection's white, protection's white. The light of God, the light of the divine, etc. And I said, nope, it's black because you need to, sometimes you need to hide in the shadows. 
and you need to bring in all. So black being being being, you bring in all colors. Mm-hmm. Um, a very very deep. Sometimes you just need to root it, earth it. Um, and it just wanted to be black, and so I did. And this was 30 years ago that I that I made the protection candles black. And the amount of grief I got, I had people who would not carry my product line because I didn't have a white candle. I'll tell you why what? I didn't have a white candle. Oh, I can't um, believe that. I had people who would not, the Blessed Herbal Candles, now I'm going to toot my own horn here. No one was making, blessing, um, putting out there on, on the market um, a complete product. I mean, back in the day, you'd take your seven day candle and you take your poker and you poke some holes in it and you put your stuff in there and there's your dressed candle. Or you would take um, whatever pillar candle that you got from the green one or whatever, and then you would roll the herbs and the oils on it and that's your dressed candle. Well, I wanted it on the inside. So I started pouring my own candles and, and making them. And so I started, I started the whole intentional, intentional candle on the national market. I started that. And there's been a few companies that have come behind me because it's a really good idea. So rock, rock on, do your do. Mm-hmm. And um, so I had people in the beginning who thought they were, they asked me if this was black magic, if they said, because I had at the end of almost every blessing is three times, three times three, which is, you know, a good wick in closing. Mm-hmm. And, um, and I had a lot of education to do and a lot of little stores. And, but because I didn't have a white candle and my protection candle was black, people felt that I was doing evil. Wow. Um, so I did lose some customers back in the day and that's okay. I'm not for everybody. I never thought I needed to be. Um, I don't have a, I did not have a white candle at that time because if you make candles with colors and you only have one pot, you're never going to have a white candle. (laughs) (laughs) It's practical. (laughs) So, um, so I was just reading a book that came out in the past two years and in her color chart, she put black for protection. Ah, and I was like, well, check that out. I did make a paradigm shift in all this. That, that's amazing. I, I never even thought that of something like, you know, I've bought that candle. I And, and your candles, I I think I've been buying them for 15 years. I love them. I mean, they're very, they're Thank still you. very popular and, and people use them and love them and they feel like they work. So I, I congratulate you on being consistent and really having a product mm-hmm. that lasts through time, which I don't think is, is probably easy. <laughs> so, <laughs> no, nope. well, I, I, I wanted to give up a couple of times, but. Oh, nope. what, what was the challenge that you faced that made you think, rethink uh, doing it? Well, you know what? I, I put up a meme when COVID-19 first started, first came out and we went, went to lockdown. Mm-hmm. And I said, listen, Coventry has been through two recessions three, if you count the one I started it in, we've been through, um, almost going bankrupt a couple of times. We've been through nine 11. Um, uh, we're, we've been through the housing bust. Um, I've been embezzled from for over a hundred thousand dollars, COVID-19 hold my bourbon. I got this. So throughout the, the years, I mean, I started my business when I was 24 years old and I thought I could do no wrong because I was doing so much right. Mm-hmm. I'm going, I'm doing this. Um, I have this new idea out on the market and people are loving it. People were waiting for it. And and I did the right thing at the right time. So part of it was luck, mm-hmm. but part of it was a really hard work getting out there and, and explaining to people that it's okay. Well, I did this to make money to go to college and then I never went to college. I did this instead. So I really went the long road, the one that goes like this. Mm. Um, People think it's a straight line, but no, you double back on a lot of things. Um, I guess the worst time, really the worst time was my first really big failure. We were over $300,000 in debt. This was 20 years ago. Um, I didn't have any wax to make any candles. Um, I didn't know how I was going to pay anybody. I hadn't taken a paycheck in a year and um, I was out of all of my resources and um And I sat there with my sister, Patty, who's my business partner. And, you know, I just kind of did the proverbial shake my fist at God going, I give up. If you want this to happen, you got to make it work for me. 
And then we both started laughing because we realized how true that was. We had to get out of the way. And so we went back to work the next day. So we said, well, if we're going to, because I said, I, I don't want to not work with you. I don't know what my life would be like without working with you. So I think I would just do something else so we could work together. And so we both decided to go back to work the next day and reinvent our company and started as if we were starting it from scratch. And that's what this right now um, with COVID-19 and the shutdowns, that's what this right now absolutely feels like. It feels like I'm reinventing myself and reinventing my business. I have some. I and have I, I think that's assets. actually probably necessary because of the impact of all these events are, we don't even know how it's going to ripple out. And some mm -hmm. people are already saying that because of not having to spend money on rent, they're not going back to their commercial buildings. They don't need to. I've heard this from some lawyers. And, and so it's going to restructure things in ways I think ultimately will be very positive for the most part um, mm -hmm. because the system, many people have been talking about certain structures need to at least change. I don't think everything necessarily has to completely collapse, but they, there are some structures that do, and there's some that need to be modified. Mm -hmm. And, uh, there's a lot of, in the natural cycle of life, uh, destruction and creation are hand in hand. And, Absolutely. and so we, we know that. And, and some of us, of course, are, are having to recreate and we're scurrying to do it, you know, and other people yeah. are doing it. I, I know someone that just um, is at home more and, and has enough unemployment. And so they're really just doing some of the things they've been wanting to do again in a kind of relaxed mm -hmm. way. So everyone's story yeah. is a little different. I know, I know at least a dozen people who are changing their careers. Yeah, it's a good time to do it. I know at least a dozen people who are changing their spouses. Ah, oh, that that too. That that was something. Or maybe not changing their spouses, changing their marital status. Yeah, changing their exactly. So uh, yeah, it's been um, it's it's been a time of. I don't want to say awakening, maybe rude awakening, but a time of intense self assessment. Um. You know, sometimes you already know it, but now you just have to deal with it. Right. Uh, a couple of things here at Coventry. I, I knew my um, customer base was was shifting to being a lot more mail order, but I was just doing the, just assessing this today. I would say 20% of our products got shipped a second time once it got to its destination. So we sold to a lot of, a lot of people who had online stores, mm -hmm. who have online stores. We just did, I just did a reassessment. We now are over 40% of our customers ship our products out again. Mm. And so we're, we're talking and we're like, you know, this is a big deal. So we need to make it easier for our products to get shipped again. Mm -hmm. And so that's, that is like, see, like I kind of knew it, but now this is going to be a really big thing and a really big investment and a change in our process and a change in how things look and how they look on the store shelves. And sure. it's a big cascade. So, I mean, that just that little, that simple thing that seems so little, but if we have a product that's hard for my retailers to ship, they're not going to promote me. Sure. Now, before I want to get back to one more question before we're getting closer to the end, and I just wanted to know your thoughts about where you personally see the movement of witchcraft and the archetype of witchcraft going, because as you know, that archetype can rise and fall. And mm -hmm. um, is this something that's going to become more integrated? Is it, um, there is a cool factor to it now, is that going to play a positive or negative you know, uh, I guess repercussions I feel, on it. I feel we're normalizing it here in the U S and, and in more of the first world countries. Uh, I hate to say that in that, that way, but, um, so like I look at one of my big hairy audacious goals in life is to normalize the word witch and magic as, as if you were saying yoga and meditation, yoga is such a normalized word. Mm. at this time that um, I'm, I'm at the, before COVID, I'm at the salad bar with my niece and she goes, hang on, I got to do my salad bar yoga as she goes under the sneeze guard to get the, get the um, green peppers. But um, look at how normalized this word is. That's true. You know, and um, how normalized meditation is. 
I was just on um, a business call right before this uh, with a bunch of movers and shakers in the Detroit area um, who are, we're all working on, on our plan to get through this whole thing. These are not spiritual businesses. These are, um, um, some of them are military suppliers. Some of them are, are big car company suppliers. Some of them are training. It, this is not metaphysics in here, hmm. but the guy who's in the military supplying, he goes, you know what? I got to get back to my morning meditations. I haven't done it for a couple of weeks. And I'm like, check you out. <laughs> I said, I got to really watch what kind of energy I'm manifesting. And so I reached out to him later. I said, well, I loved what you had to say about that. And, and he, then he starts like um, mansplaining meditation to me, which was adorable. Um, <laughs> but he's not a spiritual metaphysical person. He's, he's not even, this is just something that he glommed onto because it helps clear his mind. And, um, and so that's where I think witch and magic is going to a place where it's normalized. And I know that hurts some, but some people's feelings that it's not, not going to be as special. I love it because it's going to open doors Sure. for us as magical people where we can be a little more out and we can have um, non-threatening conversations with more people about our, our process. So when I bring a new person into Coventry, I can say, well, we're very energetically driven here. So we're very careful on the words we say and and what we bring in the music we play in here. And I don't get a, you're a weirdo look. Right. Um, um, so, so now these young ladies that I bring in, the young, uh, young ladies and young men, when I say we're, we're in, we watch our energy in this company, they go, oh, hey, I like that. Yeah. That's a I healthy atmosphere. Quit. Um, 20, 10 years ago, 15 years ago, I had a woman quit because um, she couldn't, take the fact that we're always talking about magic and energy and manifesting here. And she goes, I can't, I can't be here. I'm too, I'm a Christian. I can't do this. And I'm like, I know you can't baby. It's okay. Right. No harm, no foul. Pray for me. <laughs> so before we get to the end, um, how can people reach you? Is it best on Facebook? I know you have Instagram. It's at Coventry candles. Uh... Um, Coventry creations on Facebook, Coventry candles on Instagram. Coventrycreations.com is my website. Um, that's some of the best ways to get me. Um, we do a lot of Instagram and, and, um, and Facebooking. Yes, I, Instagram. I noticed that on your Instagram page. I, and, have, I have a Hannah, and Hannah does an amazing job. <laughs> well, that's great. Now, the, the other thing I, I did want to kind of bring up, I know, I know we're really close to the end, but the idea of um, men in witchcraft uh, has certainly grown more since I first uh, was involved in the 90s. And it seemed like it was more women other than, you know, some of the men that like Scott Cunningham that published. And mm -hmm. um, do you feel like that's becoming um, sort of easier for men to embrace the word witch and to call themselves a witch and for women to accept that too? I love it. I love, um, I love that more and more men are coming to the low magic, shall we say, more of the earthy magic, um, which is usually just a role for women. Usually it's like men are the magicians and mm -hmm. they do the ceremonial magic. And, the, um, and then, and then women are the witches and we stir the cauldron. Right. And I'm liking that, that we have a little more of a blend. And one of the reasons why I'm really enjoying this is in the past, um, an unpopular statement I'm going to say is there was a higher percentage of straight men that got involved in witchcraft were predators. Um, and I have heard this, I've experienced this. Mm -hmm. I've heard this from other people because they were such a minority and we we're kind of easy pickings at that point. Like, look, a man, yeah. I'm so excited <laughs> now since, since men are more prevalent and uh, male witches or men in witchcraft are more prevalent. It is um, there's less predators, which I, I love. But I also love that um, that masculine energy is coming into this and, and that men get the opportunity to experience the feminine side of themselves mm -hmm. and how much power there is in that. Sure. Um, uh, they really had locked that down for themselves. And if they want to call themselves warlocks or magicians, I don't care. Um, you, you be you, I be me. And, um, and I'm, we're going to love each other, hopefully. 
That's respect great. Each other. I, I love leaving on that. And thank you so much for talking to us today. We um, look forward to having you on again in the future, hopefully, and really I enjoyed it. it. What a pleasure this was. Um, I, I love this. I, we're, we're face-to-face on the screen, not that anyone else can see it. They probably see us side to side. And I really feel like I'm talking to a good friend that I've had for decades. Aww. And what a, what a beautiful, pleasant time this has been with you. Oh, thank you so much. I think it went really well, and I think a lot of people will enjoy it. So thank, thank you, you so all. Much. Thank you again, Jackie. Thank you for listening in. I hope you all have an interesting rest of your week, and I look forward to seeing you next week as we continue to explore the esoteric and the obscure together.